Temptation, the smell of corruption, and things that go bump in the night. Slick your hair, wear your buckle shoes, and all that chance. Velma has it. Join a brand new start to do that. Roxy wants it. All my life, I wanted to have my own act. That's great. I'll be in touch. You know, I'm not quite finished yet. Face it, Roxy, you ain't never gonna have an act. You got connections. I would have said anything to get a piece of that. What you need is Billy Clark. He's never lost a case. Billy can fix it. My client feels that it was the combination of liquor and jazz which led to her downfall. Hey, Ma, you're the Velma Kelly. I was there the night that you got arrested. Yeah, you and half of Chicago. You couldn't buy that kind of publicity. But in a city where everyone loves a legend, there's only room for one. Give us some advice. Keep your paws off my lawyer. Sweetest little jazz killer ever to hit Chicago. That's the angle I'm after. You were in the paper today, too. In the back with the obituaries. They love me. They love you a lot more if you're a hang. You know why? Because there's some more papers. That's Chicago. Catherine Zeta-Jones, Renee Zellweger, and Richard Gere. Are you guilty or not guilty? Don't you want to take my picture? Good night, folks. Chicago. Yeah, that wasn't a, a bad trailer, I don't think, for the movie. <laughs> I mean, it starts off like a weird horror movie, like in a world where <laughs> I dig it though. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I don't think it was bad. It was. It was before like the days of like 
red band trailers that we were talking about last week or whatever where they can really like show uh you know the movie in all its glory i guess so yeah, all the spread eagle really, yeah all <laughs> the entire number 28 spread eagle so, yes. <laughs> uh, all right so this is movie night extravaganza i of course am roxy apologist forrest miller um she did nothing wrong you know uh <laughs> Joined by J. Andrew Lipschitz World, uh, you know, uh, cartoonist, illustrator, uh, book design cover master, uh, you know, Ben Burgess associate, um, every everything under the sun, really. And every night I'm out there trying to find myself. <laughs> trying to find new gigs, new drawing gigs, trying to find new things to draw. Um, joined also by, you guys really both went with the, uh, the, uh, the Murderer's Row names, but, uh, you know... <laughs> So Black Tango is my favorite song. Joined by Cicero, uh, Christina Oaks. I'm Christina on Twitch. Um, and Patreon. Life is awful, but oh well. Yeah, we really we went from like having a conversation about Roe versus Wade and, and all that to like talking about a movie where uh, she lies about being pregnant to you know get out of being on death row, which would wouldn't work, I don't think, right now. Um, I think you'd have like you'd have like Ben Shapiro and Steven Crowder saying uh, why, you know, it's a shame that uh, a fetus has to die, but that's the way it goes. You know what I yeah. mean? like, <laughs> and you'd have, uh, you know, governors like uh, Bill Clinton, you know, when he raced home to to execute somebody, he'd probably execute her, uh, you know, to prove that, you know, he's pro-death penalty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, also joined yeah. by uh, <laughs> <segueing>. <laughs> uh Tim, Tim LaFollette, uh, who's a mental health professional, author, singer-songwriter, currently uh, – a psychiatric nurse pr practitioner with the Native American Rehabilitation Association of the Northwest. As a performer, a member of the Portland Opera, uh, has been on stage in musicals, concerts, and cabarets, including his uh, 2021 solo cabaret, Live Your Life. He was a contributing author of the best-selling book, Success from the Heart. How's it going? Thanks for coming on. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's going well. Thank you for asking me to uh, participate. So you were, you were in Chicago, right? Like you were in a uh, production on stage? Yeah. Yeah, about I just visited the city once, and that's why we had him on. <laughs> well, that's why that was my idea for why I invited like Ravana and Kenzo on, and they they both come they're from on. Chicago. Like, oh, well, you guys live in Chicago, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. So, so what was that like? What did you play in it? So I, as I, in my middle name here, I played Mary Sunshine, and mm -hmm. so in the in the movie, it's different than the than the musical. The musical, it mm -hmm. is almost always played by a man in drag singing yep. soprano. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. And um, it was, it's, it's kind of a tough role because like you, and it was a small theater too. It was like the Brunish Hall. So it's about like 150 seats or something. So you're like at point blank range. So I figured if I can kind of, fool people at least for the first few seconds maybe like part of that first song i was that that was going to be a success it's like you're just you can't hide up there <laughs> but yeah um, but it's, there's the like a big song she's in, show, the but. first song she's in is uh both reach for the gun is that the uh is that the first oh. song that that carry that mary sunshine's in i think no so that's kind of one of the fun things with the movie musical versus the the stage version, they cut like about five songs, and one of them yep. was Mary Sunshine's first song, uh, which is a little bit of good, which is basically kind of like, oh, you know, like 
you can just you can decide what you look at and you can look at the through rose colored glasses and try to look for that little bit of good in everyone yeah um, the of that song yeah see as someone who loves musical theater like i know that i know all about like the difference between the stage show and the movie and the fact that the, the original production of chicago that starred uh like gwen bird and and oh my god jerry orbach it wasn't that it only ran for like not even a, a thousand performances the revival became more successful because interest in like all the crime shows were happening. So a lot of people were more invested in like, you know, the law and orders and all those other like crime shows, murder. She wrote, um, was so, this in the nineties? The- yes. 1996. And one, I, I, don't, I don't know enough about the stage. So I'm going to defer to both of you. Uh, for yeah. about that part. But, but yeah, because of the success of the revival, it brought interest into for Hollywood be like, Hey, you know, maybe this could be, a decent uh, film adaptation, and and I think they they definitely nail it. I mean, I think this is some this is a movie um, more than a lot of uh, musicals. I say this is something that's um, you know pretty pretty designed uh, for like film in a way. Yes. You know what I mean? Like or like to to adapt it that way because there's a lot of um, I think plays that they either keep it to uh, like a very small space because you're in a theater and you, like people don't want to do too much set changes. And I think the fact that like most of it takes place either in a prison or in a courtroom. Um, kind of makes it perfect for both. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. think they, I agree with you. I feel like they really did a great job doing the adaptation of this one from stage to, to the movie because they were able to do, they did all of the movie magic that you can't have in the theater where it's like, where they're singing a song and they're in kind of their little montage that's like out of, out of context and it's like in their head. And so they were able to put them in the costumes that were in that moment where you can't do that. Yeah. Like you just yeah. have to imagine or like add one little piece, you know. And and I I, I like this movie a lot because it's kind of uh, a connection to like vaudeville, right? Like it's kind of designed as a vaudeville show, which, um, you know, to have it go from like her uh, kind of depraved killing of uh, even though, I'm, you know, I'm a Roxy apologist here, but like kind of this, uh, you know, random act of um, like like anger and frustration coming out and then to have all of the emotional um both the emotional catharsis and the emotional tension um done through musical numbers i think because this would be like a horrific uh you know if you if you watch this without like the music parts i think it would be a pretty horrific story um <laughs> at times so i think that you know doing yeah it yeah at- the hanging the woman at the middle of it just would really cheer oh, everybody man, right and up. she yeah. was innocent she just and couldn't speak innocent. english that was yeah, that was the thing. Like, she's the only one who did not commit the crime. Yeah, and this is based on a true story. Yeah. And so, like, that's kind of the thing is the woman who wrote it, she was she was the reporter. She was basically kind of the Mary Sunshine character, more or less. And, and they really did. Like, uh, a woman who was not an English speaker uh, got death row, and these, and these other two women uh, got off free. Well, yeah. All right, so I have a I have a clip of uh, from the making of the movie where they're explaining the story behind it. Oh, and um, I did just want to just just yeah. uh, chime in that uh, the um, Haymarket incident happened shortly before this movie took place too. Um, you know, about like what 20, 30 years, um, where where they took a bunch of basically foreign guys that were anarchists uh, and, and socialists and put them on death row for a bombing that yeah, soccer uh, might have been done. Uh, no, and, like that, no, that no, 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 that's a different one. Oh. That's a different one. Uh, no, the Haymarket incident um, was a big labor rally in Chicago and a bomb went off towards the end of it. Uh, eight people were arrested and I think uh, 
most of them got hung. Uh, one, uh, one, or, one of them died in prison, and one got uh, somehow got off. I don't, I don't remember exactly. Uh, yeah, for the Haymarket books uh, label comes from. The, yes, the labor books. I know, I knew about that. I just for some reason that conflated those two different incidents. I think. Yeah, no, it's just two different anarchist bombings. You know, you know how they. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this is this is them talking about um, Maureen Watkins. I think is the name of the actual right woman that. Even Maureen Watkins, who was a cup reporter in Chicago during this, the, the, all these jazz slangs by these women. She was what they would call a sob sister, writing articles for newspapers, more or less in defense of, of these ladies that were, uh, you know, murderesses, actually. She would spin them in a witty way that would then capture the public's attention. And then, of course, she wrote the play Chicago and it was it was quite successful and it was produced on Broadway almost immediately in 1930 it was a huge hit people were laughing at it because it was actually happening then oh you poor dear I can't believe what you've been through a convent girl a runaway marriage now tell us Roxy who's Fred Casely the Mary Sunshine uh, element of the story was a little bit her mea culpa for the injustices that were done for women who literally didn't get hanged for uh, various crimes understandable understandable yes it's fine Perfectly understandable, comprehensible, comprehensible, not a bit reprehensible, it's so defensible. Then a movie was made based on that play called Roxy Hart, starring Ginger Rogers, who was done in the 40s. It's kind of a classic of its time. It took a pointed look at the whole scenario of the judicial system. Gwen Verdon came to her husband at the time, Bob Fosse, and told him that she wanted to play Roxy Hart, and he, in essence, musicalized it for her. When Bob Fosse created the show in 1975, it was all in the context of Watergate, and it was all about institutions in general, American institutions, being corrupt. Ladies and gentlemen, a tap dance. When it was revived in 1995, it had this incredible relevance all over again because we were just coming off the O.J. Simpson case. Tell me, Miss Kelly, did you make a deal with Mr. Harrison? And the whole idea of the legal system was being, uh, you know, a, a sort of corrupt world that's based more on theatrics than it is on facts. You know, we just seen that on television. At the time I wrote the words to Chicago, I thought it being relevant to the late 20s. And it's sort of coincidental that kind of decadence and celebrity is still so pertinent. Do you ever think that you would go and watch court trials for murder on television? Your Honor, this is outrageous. It's outrageous, outrageous. You can suggest that the prosecutor would make a thieves bargain with a notorious Velma Kelly and then fabricate the very evidence and set her free. More so than when it first opened in the mid-70s, the themes of Chicago have become much more relevant. I mean, it, it feeds into the bureaucracy of the judicial system. I object. Sustained. It feeds into how everything has become commercialized and everything has become show business. And everybody's going to go out there and make a buck no matter what hideous, horrible thing they do. The defense rests. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think even more, even more now, like <laughs> with uh, you know, like reality TV, and um, I mean, you know, courtroom drama too. But like you know, like I, I was just looking at uh, I got some notification from I don't remember what streaming site that they have like a Ghislaine Maxwell um docu series that just came oh, out. Oh yeah, right? yeah, I just saw an ad for that. Like <laughs> so, some of the most depraved and heinous uh, people that really exist in our society get um not valorized necessarily, but their stories get sensationalized and we hear about it all the time. And like, it's a constant uh, drip of that now, right? Like, so, you know, instead of breaking through, um, like your story breaking through to like the local area and then like kind of trying to play to the press, like now everything can break through. And, you know, so I think that uh, Chicago is more relevant than ever because of that. I'm also looking forward to the uh, Lifetime movie where uh, Richard Grieco plays Johnny Depp uh, in the Amber Heard, you know, Johnny Depp trial. Is that, is that coming? I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> hey, someone suggested that Johnny Depp would make good Mephisto. Um, but speaking but, of, but, but uh, Richard Grieco was in Twenty One Jump Street with Johnny Depp. If you're wondering, yeah. 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 Okay, but <laughs> can we also talk about some of like the casting? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I right. about that too, because like this. So, just... Yeah. So Charlize Theron was originally supposed to be Roxy Hart, with a different oh. director, hmm. uh, Nicholas Hitner. Heitner, uh, not familiar with his with uh, his work, but when uh, when he withdrew, Rob Marshall took over. Theron had to audition again and lost Renee Zellweger. And this was this was like Renee Zellweger's kind of big breakout, right? Like I, she's been in, she was in other stuff, but like this yeah, is kind of. I mean, this was uh, like her mainstream. Like 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 uh, she had like lots of buzz with uh, Bridget Jones' Diary was kind of her big break. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this was like you know this is the movie that proved that she's a star. Uh, and then, like, she did another musical right after this, Down With Love, which uh, both uh, me and my wife saw while we were dating. Ooh. Another another breakout, I think, for this is Tay Diggs. And I completely forgot that uh, Tay Diggs. Yeah, it's post-Brent. Yeah. yeah. And, I know. Uh, another thing, like, this musical, like, again, the stage musical has been running around the same time as the original. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, Kathy Bates was Rob Marshall's first choice to play uh, Maitre Mama Morton, but she was scheduled to film about Schmidt. So Queen Latifah in this movie and Kathy Bates and Val Schmidt were both nominated for Best Actress and Supporting Role Oscars in 2003. Yeah, that would have been a weirder. Ah, Kathy Bates as Maitre Mama Morton. I think I think Queen Latifah kills it in this. Oh, she it, does. Imagine yeah. John Travolta as Billy Flynn. Woo! uh wait wait what what eric like i, I want to see what john travolta looks like in 2002 because he's, he's yeah. he went from he did uh, he, he 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 didn't do he didn't in chicago but he did hairspray yeah oh, he, was, he was like halfway through his transformation into the uh you know the the mountain of a man that, <laughs> that we know today so i don't know he was his, his face was starting to expand i, I think he could have still done it I definitely think he could have done it um, in like the '90s or something. I could have seen. That. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's got the right uh, the right charm, and plus, you know, he's a hell of a good singer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I yeah, know. Um, I feel like uh, I feel Richard like... Gere was was a little controversial for his singing style. I understand. Um, Tim, maybe you can talk a bit about that. I thought. I mean, I thought he did a really good job with. I'm it. with you there. <laughs> you know, like I don't know, and that's sort of the thing with musical musical theater people versus like the movie version of things and where it's like there's so much like criticism that goes back and forth but i'm like they all did a really good legit job like with the singing um he actually had musicals where yeah there were there are questionable choices 
on casting but this i i thought everyone was like well cast as far as like their their singing ability they didn't uh, from my awareness i don't know that they like changed keys to try to adjust people like they yeah did. they all did a pretty they all did a um pretty good job like i was shocked because even um Catherine zeta jones she was pregnant while filming this and they wanted her to have her long hair and she's like no i'd rather have a short bob because I want people to see me do all my dance. I don't want people to think that I had a stunt double doing all these like crazy dance moves. Because Velma Kelly is like one of my dream roles. And so I used to dance to I Can't Do It Alone and the Cell Block Tango and all that jazz. I mean, I still know Cell Block Tango choreography because I mean, whatever. Uh, and every time something happens like to like some like idiot online, I always I try to post a clip of her singing, you know, her part of they had it coming, you know. <laughs> You know, so I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Chicago fan. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, uh, yeah, so she came out of musical theater. I, I watched some of her talking about this. Um, she had, like, a lot of experience with musical theater, whereas Renee Selweger didn't. And um, I think it, it definitely shows through uh, throughout this, right? Like, she's definitely kills it. Um, she knows how to belt. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that uh, Renee Selweger, like, is, is good, but, like, in this but I, I think that Catherine Zeta Jones definitely like steals the show if I had to like pick yeah. somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And Everybody that's kind of steals the show from her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that Renee Zellweger, she did she did the best job that she could with the with the singing. It's like I don't think that's kind of her her first thing. But also like the character doesn't need to be like that particular character doesn't need to be like, oh my gosh, she's the best singer out of I mean Pamela Anderson just recently played Roxy Hart on Broadway, so clearly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even when they were talking about, like, the the people who originally played it, it was like. Gwen Verdon, um, Cheetah Rivera. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, Gwen Verdon was not, like, the greatest singer. She was more of a dancer-actor. Yeah, same with Cheetah. Yeah, and she made a guest appearance in the movie version. Mm -hmm. The woman that's smoking, she's letting she lets Roxy know that you know you just have to make her happy. Oh yeah, that's yeah. one of the few like that's one of the few like random characters in this. They, this movie actually is pretty. Uh, I feel like it's pretty sparse when it actually comes to characters that like have you know like actual lines in it. Like I, I think that it's it's kind of cool they do it like that. It's like there aren't that many like side. I mean, besides you know the whole cell block and stuff, but like besides that, like I, I think that they did a good job just focusing on the main the main you know characters in this. Yeah. Um, I I I like the Billy Flynn character a lot. Um, yeah. I I think that it's like one of I think my favorite line in the movie uh, is during the um, the all I need is love number when when he's walking through and like it stops and he goes back to being whatever and then um, he's like he's like you only mean one thing to me. Call me when you have five thousand dollars and then like the chorus in the background goes um, all he cares about yeah, is love. <laughs> yeah, I don't care about expensive things and all this shit. It's all like a contradiction. Well, that's what I like about like they really had to figure out a way to adapt because there's like diegetic and non-diegetic when it comes to like uh, musical numbers. Like we have to be like aware that they're performing or it's like all of it's really in their head. What we're seeing, what's going on in their head. So like. Lindsay Ellis always explained all this stuff when it came to like movie musicals and why certain movie musicals worked, why others didn't. Like you, you saw, you saw a lot of attempts made after Chicago. We saw with *Famine* the opera. That was horrible. 
um, cats. Hairspray was really well. Um, Les Mis, not too, too bad. Um, I actually loved Sweeney Todd. Like that was a good adaptation of a stage musical because they took what made it a stage musical out and made it for film. Um, Into the Woods was pretty good. But like there was that movie musical boom of like the mid You skipped my two favorites. You you're you're going to be obscure ones that no one's ever heard of. Yeah. It's <laughs> a Reefer Madness and yeah. um, Repo the Genetic Opera. Yes. <laughs> like, of course, those are my favorites, right? <laughs> but but they're doing, they're doing Mer Merrily Roll Along, which is an old, 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 old show. And they're doing it for like, they're going to be filming it for like 20 years so that the actors can like age with their characters. And I'm like, oh, Christ. Yo, imagine you spent 20 years on that, though, and it's not good. Like, yeah. I mean, a dude who abused his ex-wife is the lead, so it's like, ah, eh, it's not too late to recast. So so who, who's starring in it? Is it it's, uh, Sean uh, Penn? Uh, isn't it Blake Jenner? He starred in Glee. I think his name is Blake Jenner. Okay. He was he was married to Melissa B uh, Benoist. Okay. Who was Supergirl. Oh, yes, her, yes. Yeah. I don't and know anything is, about And this is what we do. We start to talk about a movie and then we go on a tangent and the tangent goes in 50 different directions. <laughs> well, no, it's true. I mean, Chicago I is one of the... Yeah. Like, Chicago <laughs> won the best picture. Performance, but not the movie. But, yeah, yeah no, the movie is kind of fun. It's It's got um, I would uh, imagine a it's solid be. cast. Uh, Steven Weber comes in and just steals the show uh, in it. and Because, uh, I mean, if, you, if you've ever seen the actual original Reefer Madness, it's like this... 30 minute um uh you know uh serious like like drama that that that's like oh yeah. look they smoked marijuana now they're murdering people uh, yeah that, that, you know like i think they <laughs> eat the baby at one point in it musical chicago satirizes like the the glitz and glam of wanting to be famous and I mean, we see that today a lot with, you know, uh, as Forrest mentioned, reality TV, also to a lot of social media influencers, people on TikTok, you know, they all want their, you know, their fame, but they don't want to do like the hard no work. To, no one wants to commit a murder anymore. No, <laughs> <laughs> no John Barber, bring on more murderers out there. <laughs> no one wants to hold their arsenic. <laughs> no one wants to... <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I did see Reefer Madness, the the actual like uh, the non musical one, as like when I was younger. And oh, like, the movie, like the movie that. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, I saw. Service announcement. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no, watch the musical. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, Nev Campbell's yeah. in it. And uh, what's her face from Frozen? I forgot. <laughs> um, I don't know anybody from Frozen. Tina Menzel. Or, no, not even as Oh, Kristen Bell. Oh, yeah, Kristen Bell's in it. Yeah, Christian Campbell, Alan Cumming. Another, another. Well, I didn't get adapted. Oh man, Alan uh, Cumming. Like that's a. I mean, he would have been a pretty decent. Like, like he's known for playing like the MC in the revivals of a cabaret. Like he's still playing that character after all these years. He would have made a decent like Tay Diggs character, like introducing. But also, he probably made a, a he probably would have made a good Billy Flynn for like a, a, a another like stage production. Yeah. Tay Diggs, Tay Diggs is like really good in this. I I I remember I didn't remember that he was like broke through in this. Um, but I remember like Rent, like I've watched Rent multiple times, and he's in that too. Really, don't like Rent. 
Right? The movie's not that good. I mean, I don't know. I think it's all right. I, I didn't expect that much from it, I guess. Um, I remember I remember when I where I was when I saw Rhett and was like, it came out like Thanksgiving Day. And so my mom and I saw it. We were like the only people in the theater scene. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that one was not as great of a adaptation. But again, like I think that it's better. It's better than like, forcing people to say like, oh, well, you have to fly out to New York and spend $300 on tickets to see it like it's more accessible. Like, yeah. Yeah. I always tell people who want to see Phantom of the Opera, I'm like, just rent the like 25th anniversary one with Ramin, Karen Liu, and Sierra Bogus. I'm like, it's better than the movie because it's oh, actually yeah, a film yeah. version of the stage production. Yeah. We'll just go see the stage production. Yeah. I mean, it's standing later crash on you. Well, tickets to like stage productions are pretty expensive if you're going to like you know. I don't know. That's why I love like there. local theater, you know, like because like like yeah, you know, usually it's it's just as good as the the Broadway. Yeah. So okay, so they're not going to fly a helicopter through the stage uh, if you're doing Miss Saigon, <laughs> but but like you know, whatever it doesn't matter. I remember seeing like uh, the local production of Fiddler on the Roof where my mom played the accordion. Yeah. <laughs> That's that, I, and, you know, a lot of um. Again, I have to mention Lindsay Ellis because she did a whole video about why, how, you know, times were changing like after the 60s and how people wanted more nitty gritty uh, movies like cabaret, like film adaptations. So like movie musicals like Hello, Dolly just did not work. So you had, um, you know, uh, cabaret and then even like Little Shop of Horrors, which is has more of a cult file. Like people were wanting like if there was going to be a, 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 a film adaptation of a stage show. They had to completely like revamp because even Cabaret, the movie, is a lot different from the actual musicals uh, itself, like the stage production. So, now, was but, Paint Your Wagons a uh, stage play? Yeah. I haven't okay. ever seen it. I've never seen it produced. But I, I, I love the uh, the Simpsons where they were going to watch it, and, and uh, Homer's like, Lee Marvin and Clint Eastwood. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the toughest cowboy movie ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I still bit. think Chicago. I still, I'm probably absolutely right about this though. But Chicago definitely influenced a lot of of Hollywood to like, hey, let's do you know, you know, first Moulin Rouge was a hit, which I'm surprised that wasn't actually a stage musical soon after the film came out. I mean, it took like 20 years for it to be a a, a stage yeah. production. Even then, they made some changes. Yeah, but like the 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 Elephant Love medley to include more recent songs. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it. And so, like, with Moulin Rouge in Chicago, a lot of people were like, oh, so movie musicals are back. I mean, especially since one is, especially since Chicago won Best uh, Picture, which I totally forgot. It. I mean, it, it did pretty well at the Oscars, yeah, didn't it? No, it, it took up a lot of oxygen the year it came out. Yeah. I, mean, um, I don't usually watch musicals because, in general, unless, like, I'm going to see, like, a, a friend perform, because, you know, like, like Oh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Great musical. I don't want yeah. to watch the movie. Um, uh, but and, and a lot of Andrew Lloyd Webber stuff is more cult. You don't want to watch it for the, for the bad dancing man. Like in the movie, there's one person who's like literally an entire measure off from everybody else. Okay, <laughs> anyway. so now you sold me. No, nobody sold me about this before. <laughs> you know, you already... watching just that one moment. We'll see if we can just find that. It's one. like the stormtrooper in Star Wars, right? Andy Andy only watches things if someone's like this this sucks and you need to see that this this like oh this is great (laughs) yeah you should see my litter box it's it's insane 
you know what's interesting though about when a when a stage musical becomes a film is that there's like this like swell of interest in the actual stage production so like even though the family opera movie sucked there was so much interest in the broadway show a lot of people were going to it gave it that boost Uh, a lot of people were trying to see rent um think there was like a there was probably like people were probably seeing like a torn production of i think lane miz was revived on broadway when the film came out i could be wrong because there's been so many revivals but for chicago it's different it has outlasted that movie like boost yeah yeah because it's like the second longest running of all all time take that cats now, now, why yeah. uh, why do people hate Chicago so much? Does anybody know this? Because because this is something new to me. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I never knew they did. So I've I asked multiple people to come on, and like a bunch of people kept being like, uh, every time we'd ask, they'd be like, "I hate Chicago. I don't want to talk about it." And so I don't know. So I called is this it episode because it's not like a good representation of Chicago period because it just focuses on the sensationalized like crime aspect. But I'm like, it's kind of accurate for the time period, probably. There needs to be a Lori Lightfoot character. That's what you don't see it. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know why that is. But I I mean, I've heard that from people, too. I'm like, I don't know anything about Chicago. But I was in the musical, and they were like, it's nothing like that. But I think it was just sort of representative of it. Yeah. I am, like, in the sort of 20s. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm thinking maybe it's because a lot of people are like, oh, Hanista's just closed already. Like, it's been it's been going on forever and ever. Like, why do people still see it? And it's the same with like family the opera. I'm like, why do people still see it? I have no idea. Yeah, the people were saying that about cats for a while. Yeah, yeah I'm still people, saying that about why cats. Why is why cats? Still, why do people still see it? <laughs> well, I, just, I just saw cats earlier this week because it's touring through Portland, and I was like, because oh. I have like the season ticket for the yeah. Broadway and Portland shows, and so I oh, oh, like, well, I was worried you were talking about the movie. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Well, I haven't seen the movie. I haven't been able to if bring you take edibles or any type I, of I, like I substance. Like huh? If you take any like, if you want to watch the actual movie, cats like not the good stage production Andrew Lloyd Webber did like back in the n- late nineties, but like the yeah. actual movie, take some drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but like also too, like wait, Tim was Tim was Tim was telling a story. I want to hear Ooh. about. Oh, well, just it. like yeah. yeah, I just oh, as far as like cats, I don't. My theory about cats is that like when it first came out, people were like confused, like what what is this? Like I need to see it again, and that's just the curiosity just kept going. Yeah, there's like there's almost no plot. It's just like two and a half hours of introducing new characters, and there's like yes. only maybe two or three that you actually care about. Um, yes. <laughs> so anyway. It is what it is, but that did last a really long time. I don't know what the the situation is on like shows that last a really long time and the ones that just sort of like are a flash in the pan. Like, why did Amelie not you know make it very far? Because there's another like yeah that was a movie to musical, and there are a lot of those now where it's like, oh, this movie was successful in the in the 80s or 90s. Let's turn it into a yeah, like Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice the movie. Dream Girls did really well too as a film. Um, it's and it's amazing how like long it does take to make a film adaptation of a, of a musical. I mean, Jersey Boys opened in 2005 and like what 2014. Though in my opinion, Clint Eastwood was the wrong director for the film because I'm actually friends with John Lloyd Young, who won the Tony for playing Frankie Valley. And even I'm like. 
I watch it and I'm like, Clint Eastwood just sucked the life out of like the like the like the moments that we love most or the performances from the four seasons. And it's just not a whole lot of uh, performances. And like, it's just, I don't know. I felt like he was just the wrong director for that film. And I know. And he was in that- picture wagons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know Des Mackinoff is, is doing his own version for like IMDb. And I'm like, oh, I see what how this is. With Nick Jonas, I'm like, I see. You didn't like the film. So you're doing your own version where you get to direct it. The only thing I can imagine with uh, Clint Eastwood as a director now is Gran Torino. Where he's like, yeah, <laughs> and people like get off his porch. <laughs> no, you know what's interesting too is the fact that the cast of Chicago, they haven't really done many like movie musicals, like anything, especially how talented they are. I mean, I can see Richard Gere doing more, Catherine Zeta Jones for sure. And even, I mean, Rose, Renee Zellweger didn't win the Oscar for playing Judy Garland, and she really had to practice because she did her own singing, I believe. I mean, she's come a long way since her Chicago days. Yeah, and, yeah, and I mean, I, even even uh, Down with Love, which came out a year later, um, I, I don't know if anybody else has seen that, but but uh, and, and it's been a while since I've seen it. But I just I do remember Renee Zellweger was a lot more charming and engaging than she was in this movie. But uh, yeah. of course, she she didn't have like you know Queen Latifah upstaging her like and uh, you know uh, Catherine Zeta Jones just just chewing the scenery. So this is this is about uh, the process of getting renee zellweger um ready to be uh, in the movie or you know to sing and, and do that those parts of it because obviously she can act but mm-hmm. we didn't want to use any doubles for the singing or the dancing watch this We did a very, very extensive audition process to make sure that what the audience is going to see on screen is what these actors can do. I'd go. We go. I was surprised by so many people during this movie before we even started. We had a table reading and it was the first time we all were there, the whole cast, and everyone did all the dialogue and we sang our songs. My sister and I I was completely surprised. I mean, I, I obviously I figured like, well, they must they must know what they're doing. Why would they put themselves in the situation with all this singing and dancing if they couldn't do it? And then, you know, we did the reading and everyone stood up and sang their songs. And I was like, man, listen to them. They could really belt them out. Then you start to get people's background and find out Richard did a play back in the days and Catherine was on this on Broadway. And so it's like you start to get the little history. Five, six, seven, and it's six weeks of rehearsal and we worked them so hard but they wanted to be worked hard all of them it seriously was like school uh there was first period which would be singing class in the piano room while richard was at tap and then Catherine would be doing all the jazz on the main floor and then we'd rotate Catherine would come to singing class and Renee would go to the main floor and richard would go to you know whatever it was it was fantastic Catherine helped renee so much because she was the pro and Renee was the one who was learning. I called her the drill team captain because when we'd be learning our dances, I would sit, step a few paces behind and watch her feet and you know, see what she was gonna do next. 
I've loved working with Renee so much. She's done a phenomenal job on this, and um, she's a great person to work off and work with. And we've had a lot of fun, um, catty, catty fun together. Renee, I could tell literally, honest to God, like it within 30 seconds that she could do it, that she could dance it, because she's an athlete anyway. She was a cheerleader, so and so she has a great sense of her body and moves beautifully. She also had style immediately. I was keep saying to her, it's like she's been plucked out of the black and white photograph of the time and put into Technicolor. There's men everywhere, jazz everywhere, booze everywhere, life everywhere. She started singing, and that was like, wow, she can really sing. It's astonishing. She's so captivating, and she has a wonderful voice. And that's good, isn't it grand? Isn't it great? Isn't it swell? Isn't it fun? Isn't it for nothing? Stay. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we watched two different movies. <laughs> I, I thought we're casting a thing. Michael Jackson and Prince were concerned for the role of Billy Flynn, too. Oh, wild. Yo, Michael, a Michael Jackson-led uh, Chicago. I'd, I'd watch it. I think yeah, it also Angelina Jolie was offered for the role of Belma Kelly and my cat's wants attention. And also Madonna for Belma Kelly. Was this, this was uh, one where they planning to film this this they were planning the film probably like in 2000 2001 i think and uh they were also they offered nicole kim in the role rocks car but she was like nah i want to do the moulin rouge <laughs> which I think, that was, I think that was a good that was what the lord wanted yes <laughs> <laughs> that was the right choice yes yeah well, i don't i can almost not picture anyone else but Catherine zeta jones um as as well as kelly like she yeah. absolutely crushes yeah. it in this movie I she really she nailed it. like she committed 100 like she had all of those dance moves i just don't i don't know if some of the other people on on the possibilities list could have done the same on the there was endless the list of all these considerations i mean angelica Hud uh hudson would have been um houston yeah, Houston would have been uh, the like the daughter a, of John Houston, the great director. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> would have been offered like the role of Matron Mama Morton. I'm like, and and also they even consider Kristen Chenoweth for Mary Sunshine. I'm like, oh man, that could have been good. That could have been a good one, especially if they had like left the song in. She could have sung all the all the notes. Yep, I think yeah, that she was, probably that could have. Has it has a has a decent voice? I will say. Yeah, yeah she. She did a good she, job. She broke, she broke through, though, with, like, Wicked, right? Like, Kristen Chenoweth? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that was a couple years after. Um, that was like a year after or yeah. two years after. Yeah, and no, then she went on the West Wing. But Chris, um, but Kristen Chenoweth actually won her first Tony for You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Yeah. That right. was, so that was before. One song. It one she song. was, like, really, really big after that. So you're right. It yeah. was before – we have like the box office draw and that's always the thing too is figuring yeah. out like it's weird being a theater nerd and seeing people know who Adina Menzel and Krista Chenoweth are and I'm like I've known them since like 2003 right <laughs> like right. it's weird you know I was actually friends 
I was surprised this was going to be the first musical we've covered on this show without a Muppet, but then I forgot John C. Riley's in this movie. And you can't convince <laughs> me he was not built in a Jim Henson creature puppet show. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he wanted to do his own clown makeup, too. Also, too, it's kind that, of weird. That number is that number is really like that. That is the number that honestly absolutely kills it. Um, yeah, Mr. Self being like the, the he's such a sad he's such a sad character in this whole story. And yeah, poor Amos. He's like the one person that's like legitimately like a good person throughout this, <laughs> and just and gets he, and he loses every time. He loses all of the money. He doesn't get her back. And yeah. He's, Fades off into the distance. It, it is. That is the saddest character. Yeah. <laughs> Joel Gray originated the role on Broadway of Amos Hart. The Joel Gray. Yeah, he's like one of the few people who's won like a Tony and an Oscar for the same role. Yep. In Cabaret. Mm-hmm. Man, I... Oh. Yes, I, I know him because he was in Rebo Williams, where they stuck him in Asian makeup and made him speak with an accent. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Crazy yeah. times. Uh, I knew him from the Vampire Slayer as Doc at first. <laughs> uh, but then right. I was like, he's Jennifer Grey's dad. And my mom's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, he's totally probably gay too. And he came out. I'm like, good for him. He's like he, like I've Joel Gray is one that like my opinion very very talented. Yeah, absolutely. He makes me want to play the MC in Cabaret. It can be played by a woman, right? I don't see why not. Like I had this conversation with somebody earlier today. Like so much musical theater is like too narrowly capped. Like why couldn't why couldn't a woman play the MC? Why couldn't a woman play uh, Audrey too in Little yes. Shop of it's like there's no reason it doesn't have to be you know yeah i don't know i don't know why a woman couldn't play audrey too in little shop of horrors that's, that's weird like considering that you know but you can have like an amber riley like do the voice like it would it would be pr pretty uh i think that would be yeah, a pretty it's a plant it's like it's a, yeah, it's a freaking plant <laughs> it doesn't yeah. it inherently doesn't have like like even if you believe that gender should be attached to roles i don't but like even if you do believe that right like it is still a genderless role that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mean, I think Tucker carlson's gonna be mad about you know a woman playing a plant <laughs> especially one that i'm not sexually attracted to anymore <laughs> i can't get off watching little shot of horrors anymore it's just uh, why is this happening Who's well, also ellen green <laughs> She did so well in the Broadway musical that she got cast for the film. And also Rick Moranis, who he's not the best singer, but he did an excellent job with what he had. You know, you know what? Uh, Rick Moranis is actually retired from acting and went, uh, is now doing nothing but singing. Um, yeah, yeah, his wife, his wife, like passed away, right, or something. Or, yeah, or well, he, yeah, and he spent time raising his kids, which, which you know, honestly, that right there more important than anything. Um, yeah. Seymour uh, Pelborn behavior, if you ask but, me. But now, but, now that yeah. his kids are grown up, he, he's like wanting to, to do something creative again. So he started doing, um, I think, jazz standards, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. uh, which, which you know, good for him, you know. Yeah. Why not? Why not learn new skills and you know capitalize, like learn more of a skill that you already have? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Catherine Zeta Jones didn't she win Best Actress for the for the role of Elma Kelly at the Oscars? I think I saw like uh, yeah, Best uh, Supporting Actress. Supporting actress. Yeah, it's always Supporting Actress, but like 
it's still amazing to me. Well, also too, like the Golden Globes have the have the category split, like best musical or comedy, and then best like drama. Which I feel like the Oscars should do that as well, just because it's just you know I feel like people don't take those who do really good comedies well, or even like musicals. I mean, that's why Johnny Depp won for Sweeney Todd because he actually did a pretty good job. But no way in hell would he get nominated for an Oscar. Though I can't believe he got nominated for playing Jack Sparrow. Yeah, that's, that's come on, come on. The first, the first Pirates movie was phenomenal. Yes, it was. I, I mean, like, like, I'm sorry. That, what that number are they the, on now? Like Pirates of the Caribbean. I, I was, I was going through like Johnny Depp. Like, like I was just sick, done with Johnny Depp. Like, I, I'm just like he's always playing the same role. And then he showed up as Jack Sparrow, and I felt like um, Michael Bolton in that uh, Lo- uh, Lonely Brothers uh, sketch where, where he sings about uh, Jack Sparrow. Oh yeah, this is the tale of Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah, I, I came out of the movie and I, I was just like that. I was uh, what? I was uh, with a friend of mine and uh, we were we were split between seeing um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean or, or Serendipity. And um, the woman goes, "Pirates of the Caribbean." Like, just trust me. Like, it sounds stupid. Just, just you, you want to go see that? Okay. Yeah. So, like how that how that film is nostalgia for all the swashbuckler like type of um films of like the 30s and 40s and of course like with chicago the time period really sets in like what you know booze and jazz and like success and i'm over here thinking god damn like forrest said no one wants to commit murders anymore for fame well actually there was that one woman who wrote a book about how to get away with murdering your husband and she's now going to prison for it because she murdered her husband (laughs) um is she singing Huh? I, I, did, think did this, I think that this movie, uh, no. another way that it resonates right now, though, or like the stage play in the movie, is that we're in the middle of like more than ever before, like six different moral panics, right? Like, and the jazz panic is a very real uh, yes. thing, thing that happened with, you know, I mean, our racial feelings in this country towards African Americans, our feelings towards um, like like Mexican Americans, because a lot of the like, oh well, you're gonna get marijuana, like that comes from you know uh, like immigration panics, like. So this time period is kind of full of these like, oh, women are going to be led astray by like these band leaders from jazz bands. And then they're going to all of a sudden, you know, try marijuana and drink alcohol. And like, we can't let that happen. And the the, um, the suffragettes are kind of tied up in that, too. Like, you know, you know about the Zoot Suit Riot, right? I don't. I know what a Zoot Suit is, but. Yeah, yeah. And the the great song from, uh, uh, was this? Uh, um, Yeah, I don't remember who did it. Uh, it was like that swing band uh, craze in the late nineties that, that had the yeah. big hit. Oh, what, uh, Mambo Number Five. That was before that, but but anyways, <laughs> anyways, uh, in the nineteen uh, thirties, I think twenties uh, or thirties in in L.A., uh, basically um, uh, the police were harassing uh, mostly Mexicans because they had their pants hiked up too high with their zoot suits. Which is weird because now they're complaining that pants are sagging too low. No. Come on, white <laughs> get it together. Just be yeah, happy that they're wearing pants. But I mean, in like a similar way, right? Like they're having the the drag queen uh, panic right now. And oh like, dear God! And you know, every every time you see the news, it's like, whoa, there's there's drag queens over here. Which I love drag queens. Like you know, I made an entire documentary about how much I like drag shows and stuff. So like, um, like this kind of feels like the same thing like this uh this life that leads you astray and somehow inherently is evil and like you know you're jazz. a groomer and i'm and, like look i just want to have a girlfriend even, or a boyfriend like i'm, I'm like i'm bisexual <laughs> i'm not trying to do anything like just let me live my life please 
But this this kind of feels in Chicago the same thing because even her defense is like, well, she was led astray by you know jazz and liquor and yeah. uh, you know men that wanted to kind of pull her away, and that more the moral panic of it gets swept into like this reformed sinner story. She's and like I an American that, sweetheart, and, and I think that you know it ends up uh, fully damaging or fully making the panic worse within that scenario too, because you have people coming out and saying, yeah, like I was uh, you know I was a sinner because I got led into this world and. I think this movie does a good job of showing how phony and superficial all of that is. Yeah. Well, I got the, uh, the Oscar uh, list, by the way, from this movie. Uh, it won Best Picture, Best Actress in a Supporting Role, Best Art Direction and Set uh, Decoration, mm -hmm. Best Costume Design, uh, Best Film Editing, uh, Best Sound, um, and then uh, Renee Zellweger uh, and uh, John C. Riley, Queen Latifah, and Rob Marshall, the director, were all nominated. Um, writing screenplay adapted, Bill Condon got nominated. Um, best uh, cinematography, uh, Dion Beebe. Uh, you know what really won nominated. the best sound? It was the pop six swish. <laughs> Cicero. Yes. Yeah. And I like Maya, Maya, the Maya playing uh, the Lipschitz girl. I'm like, oh shit, that's Maya. This is like right after Lady, Lady Marmalade. And all that, like it, it, you can tell that they actually picked actresses who mostly knew how to dance, and and do like some sort of singing. Because even then, like a lot of the um, the the women of the cell block tango, they really their parts are not really like big, powerful, like singing parts. So it's like as long as you can say your lines and dance, you're good to go. But but yeah. it's, it's it's like dancing Wait, for the Tim camera, which something. is a different art altogether. Wait, Andy, Tim Tim was gonna. Tim was oh, gonna I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh. But I, I wanted to say what I really liked about the cell block tango and again, where the movie magic kind of like en enhances what the musical brings to, brings to the stage is that like uh, they were able to have the monologues be not like just on the stage, like in the same costume. It was more like, oh, more conversational. They were just telling the story to their other cellmates. I was like, yeah. yeah, that is perfect because all, you know, like stage musical wise, it's like you're just delivering a monologue in the middle of the song and then like going into the thing. But they had the, all the choreography and they made it like in context with what it would be like telling. Yeah. Songs. And I, and I, I love the switch, like the switch in between, you know, all of a sudden yeah. it goes from like telling this, there's, there's like a lot of horrific stories in this, you know what I mean? Like that entire number, just, you know, story after story of murders and like to have it that they can actually they did nothing wrong. <laughs> to turn it into this uh like musical number that um that you know actually has like the red rib i don't know if they do that on the they, do they do that on the stage play um with the red ribbon that they pull out the same i think i think there's like different versions depends i i haven't seen like a, a larger production in a while so i'm not sure if they do like with the ribbons or what yeah a lot of the productions vary yeah yeah, a lot of, and also too, like, and in, in, and I think maybe probably the choreography is a bit more intense for the film. Yeah, I think so because it's like instead of, I think most of the time that I've seen it, it's like they're all kind of in a row and they've got their chairs and it's like choreography with the chairs. And yeah, that that's what they did for Glee. I'm like, this is exactly how the stage production of Chicago goes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this was like they went they went all the way with it, which I think was great. That's like yeah. one of the yeah. most recognizable songs. 
we know all of the words, we know all of the monologues. So like they yeah. did everything with it that they could and they kept it with that sort of vaudeville feel with the with the red ribbon scarf thing. Yeah. yeah. I remember uh, when they did the song on Glee because Coach Beast was going through like an abusive relationship and Coach Ross was like, how is this supposed to have, you're, you're, singing a, you're singing a song about women dancing around in panties, killing their men for chewing gum. And I'm like, what? Hey, he's, it was annoying. <laughs> um this is this is a clip on the design and costumes and stuff that i pulled out um yeah i think it, i think it's really cool that they were able to design it like a you know film set but also like a, a stage set good okay correction let's rehearse this please here make our wardrobe clear in the safe zone when you're putting together the team for a movie musical, it's imperative that everybody share the same vision. And we're back. And on this movie, everybody down to the key grip is making the same film. And that's why there's such a unity on the set. It's so collaborative and everybody makes sure that their work is so textured and layered. He had it coming. He had it coming. sound with um, playback, he's taking cues from the choreographer. All the sets that I've built were built all around the dancing. We were very conscious when we were making the set, such as the prison, that it looked like a real prison. But then the bars are, are removable, the walls are movable. We put in theatrical lighting to kind of enhance it. John Meyer, brilliant production designer, just lived this movie. And every pore of him. Well, one of the major set pieces is the Onyx Theater because it's uh, the, the place where Roxy sees Velma for the first time. Uh, it's also the main setting for most of the musical numbers. When, when Roxy goes into one of her fantasies, it's based here at the Onyx Theater. So we have that beautiful faded glory. The wallpaper crinkling off the walls. We've got lighting fixtures cracked and broken, beads hanging off of beautiful crystal chandeliers. And that's followed through with really the design of everything. So you see the, the costumes have the same feel to them. Everything was built literally to the dance numbers in the same way that Colleen Atwood did costumes that allowed dancers to move in the way they needed to move. Colleen Atwood has a, a great unique vision. She understood the freedom of that era and the sexuality of that era. She knew how much skin needed to be there. Each actor's character in the story is, is um, revealed in different ways and exposed in different ways. Roxy's character is the most complex because we see her in a real world and then we see everyone else through her eyes in the fantasies. So I use almost skin tone palette for her kind of fragile real world costumes and then when she went into the fantasies they became much stronger and more vibrant on Richard I used actually the base for his um, costumes were was a real suit that I found from the period that fit him perfectly. And once I found that, it sort of really fell in place for all his lawyer clothes. With Velma, she's already opens the show as a very strong character and her colors are much more kind of black and bold and, and she's about boldness and, and lack of fear in the universe. They had it coming. 
Yeah, so I like how much thought they put into the costumes and um, how yeah. kind of they have like almost like metaphoric, uh, you know, importance, right? Like her boldness or uh, Roxy kind of coming into her own throughout this um, and, you know, breaking through, but also being in this world where like we literally do watch her like in the real world kind of just getting thrown into like jail and stuff so i didn't realize that richard Gere's suit was a uh vintage suit i i uh wonder if that was an actual arrow shirt that he was wearing um if uh go, go back to art history since since you know we had so much fun talking about it last time uh jc Leindecker was a uh painter um who, who uh uh rivaled norman rockwell for covers of the uh uh saturday evening post and um he uh painted the arrow shirt man and like his paintings were like set the trends of the 1920s. So uh, I'm kind of curious if that was an actual arrow shirt that he was wearing, like a vintage arrow shirt or just the undershirt was just whatever, you know, made to look like that. Because, you know, those were quite striking. If, if you go back and look at the uh, J.C. Lidecker paintings. I uh, I also like his like the the all I care about is love number, uh, how the, he switches between kind of being in like this um, like irish uh you know shoe shiner yeah. kind of um costume i guess you know trying to Takes play it up. off yeah like i'm just you know i'm just like a an extremely um like i'm just extremely eager and, and earnest young man that's just trying to get these women off death row like and then you find out like you know through just through the dance like number that he's a fucking despicable you know sociopathic monster that just wants to win like i, yeah. I like that the dichotomy of it is shown through the costumes i think beautifully He's a damn good lawyer. He's the he's the Saul Goodman of his day. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I, I think that the, the entire courtroom part. Um, I, I love the projection of it. Like you know, he starts accusing the uh, the DA of uh, of of planting the evidence or whatever when he's the one that did it, and he's like, "What kind of lawyer would do this?" Like that entire uh, tap dance that he does during that, I think is is a pretty amazing um, scene. Yeah, and consider my my uh, second favorite uh, uh, Richard Gere movie is another courtroom drama uh, with um, what was that movie? Uh, shoot, um, uh, the Hulk was in it. Uh, the 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 um, oh, I can't believe I'm blanking on the dude's name. Um, but but anyways, yeah, the, the, there's a, a Primal Fear is the name of the movie. Yeah, that's the Arrow Shirt Man by J.C. Uh, Leindecker. That is a um, striking shirt. Yeah, and yeah. Um, a fun story. The uh, model that he used for that was his boyfriend, which uh, he kept very much to himself um, with with uh, his roommate, quote-unquote, uh, publicly. And um, in the 60s, like right before he passed away, Norman Rockwell outed him in like this, this like a bit of anger. Uh, which which destroyed his career. So in the 80s, when there was a big revival of Norman Rockwell, uh, Leindecker's work was kind of forgotten, uh, even though, like I said, they were rivals uh, with, with their work up until a certain point. So Scumbag Norman Rockwell. Yeah, uh, which is really weird because Norman Rockwell was very close to his uh, gay brother. Yeah, but I think I think a lot of times these like creative <laughs> decisions are more about like personal hatred of the person and yeah. not about like. No, the the craziest thing though is Norman Rockwell's son got in on this. They were using the F word and everything. It was it was insane. Like like if you go back and read some of this stuff, Jesus like you know, Christ. Norman Rockwell, pretty decent guy for the most part, except for that. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, that that kind of checkers how I feel about him. I'll I know. But, uh, Linedecker, we have like literally no evidence of like what kind of person he was because uh, he left no notes. The only thing we have is his process because he would sit there and he'd look at that hand. Um, he couldn't quite get the hand right. So he would go to a different uh, canvas and he'd paint the hand over and over and over again until it came out just right and then go back and paint it on the uh, on the painting he's working on. So we have his process. We just don't have um, like anything uh, really like uh, telling us his side of any, you know, the story or, or anything like his thoughts on anything. Uh, so, so that's completely lost. There are no diaries. Um, Gee, apparently when he passed nobody, away. Nobody um, knew him to like tell his side of the story. Well, you know, it was his boyfriend. Um, but, but apparently his boyfriend like destroyed a lot of his papers after he passed away. So, you know, which was, which is what he asked for. So, you know, not mad about that, but just like kind of sad that that he's completely lost uh, to history like that. Uh, Andy cause, explains, cause ladies and gentlemen. One of my favorite painters. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know a response to that. But uh, yeah, the the Richard Gere character and that definitely seems like it, it took inspiration from the from the yellow shirt man. Yeah, arrow shirt man. Arrow shirt man. Kind of that story, though, sort of makes reference to like another musical that, uh, well, I guess it sort of is like filmed to be on Disney Plus, but Hamilton, you know, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. Kind of the thing. Like, you don't know. Some people are sort of lost to the history books because nobody decided to like continue to tell the story. And some people, their story has been told by someone who despised them. <laughs> the only story yeah. they really get is. Yeah, you know, and, and I mean, like I said, you, you can look at like uh, he, he lived with uh, this this house, uh, this houseboy, I, I think was like his official title or something like that for like 30 years. And and um, uh, the guy was in all of his paintings and they went swimming together. And like back then, like men would go down to the swimming hole and swim in the nude. Women didn't swim. And uh, like like they swam in the nude until the 60s, which is weird. So so like like high school swimming events would just be a bunch of naked men. Like, or men watching naked boys, I should say, which is weird. I don't, I don't know where where you're going. With it I, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch back to talking about Chicago. Um, yeah. So I, I think that Richard Gere absolutely kills it in this. Um, I, I, his his tap dancing. So there's, there's a clip that I found of uh, they're talking about his tap dancing, and he he actually learned tap dancing um, while filming this movie, and I think that that's kind of cool because uh, you know they didn't want to use any doubles, so it kind of. Uh, because I, I think a lot of times it's hard to tell in movies, but like you know, when they do use doubles, like you know, it, it kind of takes away from the whole, um, I think, aesthetic quality of it. Yeah, in Star Wars Episode Two, it's very obvious when Christopher Lee was, uh, you know, Christopher Lee had a double. My favorite number is it's a cellophane. Cellophane, Mister Cellophane. Been my name. This might be the wrong clip, but I'm still gonna go with it. Mr. Cellophane. John C. Riley's got probably the best song in the piece, Mr. Cellophane. It's incredibly moving, poignant, and sad. Yeah, he's the he's the heart of the show. People don't know he can sing. And he can sing. Well, he expected to be good because he's a theater person. It's been kind of scary, actually, you know, because even though I've done a lot of musicals as a kid, I've never done this professionally. Sometimes people just claim a role 
you know, and John C. Riley wanted this, and he sent me a tape of him singing Cellophane. Never. And it was claimed. No. He is a brilliant actor. He's always so full of reality, you just don't think he's an actor. I hope I didn't take up too much of your time. I really lucked out. I had this extraordinary cast of people who could do what they do brilliantly, and I just all I wanted them to be was great. Okay, baby, here we go. Rob comes from the theater. That's his roots, and he thinks like a filmmaker. It was such a joy to watch him multitask more successfully than any person I've ever seen in my life. It's like a triple threat, you know, he understands movement, music, actors. Watching him choreograph the thing, and not only choreograph it and tell you how to do it, but he'll show you. And he'll take that bow and he'll wrap it around and he'll show you the moves perfectly. He hasn't slept in about a year and a half, I can guarantee it. Yeah, that was the wrong clip, but it doesn't matter. I, I wanted, it's still a great. I want John C. Riley. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because because you know, um, originally this uh, the role was between John C. Riley, Kermit the Frog, and Fuzzy Bear, um, but but uh, John C. Riley <laughs> went out. So, <laughs> um, I, John C. Riley does so many things so well. Like, you know, I mean, even even like Dewey Cox, like, is is amazing. Uh, you know, that that uh, King Kong movie. He did. He's freaking great in it. He's he like switches up too between doing like serious drama sometimes and uh, that's not like serious drama. And, <laughs> no, but I'm saying like, but as an actor, he switches up between yeah, like, range. Yeah. yeah, no, drama, he's he's funny and yeah, yeah. Um, wait. So I'm gonna pull up the clip that I meant to pull up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of any John C. Riley drama roles though. Um, all I'm getting is just like him with uh, uh, what's his name for Saturday Night Live? Um, the Anchorman. Oh, Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah, because yeah, he did a bunch of stuff with Will Ferrell. He did a bunch of stuff with Will Ferrell. But uh, this is this is the clip that I meant to play. Ladies and gentlemen, the next one is for picture. And we'll just keep this clipping along. It'll be nice. Action. Yes, Mrs. Hart feels that it was the tragic combination of liquor and jazz which led to the downfall. I bet you want to know why I shot Richard. <laughs> Shut up, Tommy. Richard is the perfect Billy Flynn. Perfect, perfect Billy Flynn. You're working for the star. Who knew? The guy is so talented. It's ridiculous. Give them the old razzle-dazzle. Razzle dazzle. I figured he looks great and he's a good actor. What do you mean, sing and dance? But he is incredible. Razzle dazzle, and they'll beg you for more. I tried to get him over to the rehearsal hall to sing and dance, but he said, I'm not doing that. And um, he said, Rob, I can do it. I told him, I said, Look, I can sing this. I don't know if I can tap dance. Yes, that is him doing tap dancing. That's him. I've never seen anybody sweat like that in my life. He said, again, again, it was like Officer and a Gentleman. Go <laughs> more push-ups. He was unbelievable. I really enjoyed this whole experience. I 
love the camaraderie. I love working with dancers, with actors who sing and dance. Catherine came out of the musical theater, so she is a dancer. She's a terrific dancer and singer. <laughs> Catherine has been doing this since she was a little girl. This is where she started. So she's so in her element here. She's so much fun in it. She has this vivacity anyway that elevates the energy in any room she enters. And you just see it splashed all across the screen. Hey, Mama, come here. You were thinking about McKelly. You know, I was there that night. I was there the night that you got arrested. Yeah, you and half of Chicago. So talented. I feel like if you're uh, someone who came out of uh, musical theater and like, you know, since you were a kid though, like so doing something like this is kind of probably like a dream because you can perfect every single part of your performance. If you're like, you know, really like, if you're not Renee Zellweger who's trying to learn this for the first time and you're someone who has um, like a lot of experience doing it, I feel like it's pretty cool to be able to like first record the song perfectly and then be on like the stage set and like play such a theatrical role and then perfect the dancing and like each part of it's like separated, which I think is a, is an, probably like a, it's almost like a magnum opus in some way. I think it is. It's kind of ideal because like in a live performance, sometimes like either the, either the dancing suffers a little bit so that you can like sing the notes or like the singing suffers a little bit, uh, you know, because the dancing is so, um, like so active and yeah, so you like, really have yeah, for, for Catherine Zeta-Jones like that's perfect because she was able to go like 100% on both things and not and you didn't none of the products suffered you know so yeah. Yeah. yeah that's why they always get a lot of the dancers to do like a lot of like exercises so they could be able to like multitask I know um but it came to you're on the treadmill you know yeah, like Beyonce's also, father used to make Beyonce run like miles and miles with the rest of uh, and was it whatever her band was before she went solo? Destiny's Child, Destiny's Child, yeah. Um, like, like he would make them all run while singing, so they would like do like a five mile run and so they have be, to build it out. They'll be, be like singing. driving in a car behind, them, like, sing louder, so they'll <laughs> literally be losing their breath. Get it because that's one of their songs, yeah. I, I nice. All right, I, I. Cool. <laughs> I um, just expelled all my Beyonce knowledge right here. But like, it, it's not easy doing like musical theater. Like people think, oh, it's always, I'm like, no, it's not. You literally have think, to be a triple I threat. Think, I don't think anyone thought it was easy. I've never heard anyone think that the Trust me, the, wannabe theater kids were like, oh, this is easy. And I'm like, just you wait. Yeah. I, I have never, um, like, like in my time of theater and the music video that I was in, um, every single dance number that I was a part of has, uh, I was cut out of it because I am that bad. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I did, I did like musical theater as like a teenager, but like never ended up really making it to the actual play most of the time. Like I, I like I would, but I was in like, uh, like my high school play and stuff. And then I ended up having to drop out because like school wasn't going as well. And like, like drop out from the play, not drop out from school. But, um, I was like, I was good well, enough I, for I, the I tried to do it. It's not something that I've ever really like achieved on stage, except for like 
I mean, I don't know. I went to like a private school where um, for like a couple years where we did do stage plays and it was really awesome. And like, I was like really into it. And then I saw how intense it was in like high school plays. And I was like, yeah, I can't, this is not, <laughs> I can't sing. I can't dance. I can, you know, talk about movies. That's it. No. <laughs> there you go. And make documentaries. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I've, I've never thought that that was easy. I'm like, I lack all three of these talents. <laughs> I lack the, the, the ability to remember lines. I lack uh, the, the ability to sing well, and I lack the ability to dance. I have no coordination. Like, this seems like something that I'd want to do that, you know, really can't. <laughs> oh, shoot. The daytime Emmys are on right now. <laughs> but uh, what are you doing on here? <laughs> I don't know, but it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm surprised the daytime Emmys are still around. Yeah, because there's not really much happening, uh, you know, in daytime TV. Yeah. Miss the soaps. Yeah, but all my children too, was my jam. Speaking of a, <laughs> see, that's funny. <laughs> well, also too, like I would, I, I did, I did dabble in in theater, but like my thing was like, like the like performing, like dance and songs and and like medleys of stuff, like with my performing arts group at middle school, and I did a lot of choir. I'm an alto. There's very few roles that are good enough for me. That's why I like Valma Kelly. <laughs> yeah, the, and that's the thing. Like musical theater is just a very interesting, it's a very interesting thing because, like you said, you've got to be kind of all three. And it seems like in stage productions, my my take on it is, oftentimes they'll take the like for the leads, they've got to be kind of like actor first, singer second, and then like dancer third, just depending on like what the role is sometimes mm -hmm. some of the leads don't have to dance at all like um like in the stage play the um billy flynn barely dances yeah but like of course he he did in this show so that was amazing but then a lot of times if you're like more dancer first singer second actor third then it's like oftentimes you'd be more like ensemble um yeah, you're kind of relegated to like the yeah. the dancing chorus or the like uh you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and it's interesting. A lot of musicals that focus on dancing, like Cats or Chorus Line, a lot of the ensemble cast are, like, not that great of singers. Like, if you listen to, like, the original Broadway, like, cast album of Cats, it's like, oh, my God, the only decent singers are Ken Page and, 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 and oh, my God, what's her name? Betty Buckley. I'm like, oh, what's happening here? I have never had the urge to watch Cats, and I'm glad that I haven't because... <laughs> it seems more traumatizing than anything else. I don't, I mean, I don't have enough drugs to, to, to watch. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's fun to watch when you're on an edible. I'll tell you that. Even with Chicago, you can be sober yeah. watching it. You said wa watch the watch the one that's like the recorded stage version that was like from the nineties or whatever. That's that one's like, good. That's going to give you more like the actual feel of the musical. Yeah. With hopefully, a little less trauma. Um, yeah. Not not having to see James Corden come out. Like, yeah, that's the best the best part. It has all. It basically has all the best of the best. Like at karaoke. Yeah, well, like you know, you if you read my letterbox, you you know I'm into trauma for films. There you I go. Think even, uh, Sarah Brightman, I think, is in that film version, the one from the '90s. I think she's one of the minor characters. Yeah, because that's how Andrew Lloyd Webber found her. <laughs> Probably she was, she, was, like, she was in a production of uh, of Cats back in like in London, and I'm like, Ew. 
That's why he wrote, you can thank her for why we have Phantom of the Opera. Yep. I just say watch the Robert England version. Yeah, the horror one. That's a good one. That's the <laughs> one we should do for like murder night extravaganza. I would I would be down to do that. Um yeah, it's, it's a fun Freddie has a phantom. But uh Andy, you want to take us through the plugs? Oh yeah, plugs. Um I don't even have the plugs up. Wait, where are the plugs? Oh, they're there. <laughs> hey God, sorry people. As you can tell I'm really I'm really oh, you're, you're moving. I for, I forgive you. You're you know, yeah, yeah. I, I'm literally in the middle of a move. Uh Tuesday is our move date. So we're like doing all that kind of stuff. Uh so, anyways, if you're watching us right now on Twitch and um I've not turned off with me trying to find this, um, you know, uh if you if you can subscribe, that, that helps us out. If you have an Amazon Plus account, um, you can subscribe for free and we, we get money, which is nice. Um to help us support like printing movies, uh, which is which yeah, it, it gets more expensive than you think. <laughs> yeah, we've yeah, done we've done we've done almost a hundred movies in a year. Like a lot of them have had to be rented. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're over on YouTube, do the YouTube things: like, subscribe, comment, hit that bell button. And um, what one of the things that really does help is to watch the video to the end. I know it's a big ask, but you know what? You get that great Conan intro song uh, that that. Uh, on there, he's not here right now because he's playing live, but but that's okay. We're still gonna enjoy his song because his music slaps. Yeah, I wish I knew what city he was in and I plug it, but uh, I, I have no clue. Although uh, it depends on which coast, you know, which time zone he's in. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, keep going with the plugs. Yeah, uh, we have a uh, podcast version. If you're tired of looking at us with your eyeballs, you'd much rather listen to us while you know you're working out or 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 um, driving a car or something like that where you shouldn't be looking at a screen um, while you're driving a car. But you can still listen to us. Unless it's me. one of those uh, Teslas that'll take your head off. <laughs> um, and and uh, wherever you get your podcast, please rate, review us. That That's fantastic. Um, we have a Patreon. Uh, the Patreon, um, uh, you know, lets us, you know, helps us do this. Um, because yeah, it is expensive renting movies. Um, <laughs> it really is. So sometimes we watch movies that that you can't uh, you can't you can't uh, find other places. So so you have to, you know, find a weird rental thing. Conan um, is in uh, Conan Louisville. is in Louisville tonight. Louisville. Oh, Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. So uh, if you're in Louisville, uh, you know, turn it's this off. Louisville. Oh man, they're probably not going to have a portion uh, anytime soon either. Damn it. Okay. But you can get a Louisville Slugger. At the Louisville Slugger Museum in Louisville, and um, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not gonna end well. <laughs> no, for anybody. Oh, Don't Jesus listen Christ. to me. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Andy. <laughs> dark. Um, but with our Patreon, you will have access oh, to our after parties forever. After party Party forever. God damn it, we're still never in. And we got a we got someone who's done musical theater. Sorry, yeah, Tim, can you train us to sing? Uh, can you train (laughs) us to sing After Party Forever? I'm allowed Uh, to work. I (laughs) (laughs) I got it. I can carry couches, but I can't carry a Tim. Tim's like Tim's like I'm never gonna get hired for another TEDx uh, thing if they if they see this if they see this uh, (laughs) these plugs. I'm just kidding. That's too much fun here. Um, no, are you gonna come on? Do that for if you ever if you ever decide to uh, 
watch like Grey Gardens or the deals of Grey Gardens, I feel like I'm I am almost an expert level on on that content because I've watched. Ooh, all the yeah, that's a really that's a really interesting movie. I would that would be cool to talk about. Um, I don't I know heard. if you want to. I don't know if you want to come on for the after party. We're gonna do like in uh, I think. I don't know. In a little bit, we're gonna do an after party thing, which is bonus content. You don't have, you don't have to come on if you don't want to, but um, that's got kind of more free yeah. form. Although I don't know how it could get more free form than this. <laughs> Someone's still doing plugs. Yeah, 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 because I have not plugged Christina yet, who who um has a Twitch channel y'all should be subscribing to, and if I could, that 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 almost did not come out well, but I said it. Uh, I'm proud of myself and the Patreon. So so hit that up. Give Christina some cash because she needs it. Make it rain, people. Um, <laughs> we're going to skip Conan because he's not here. Um, but, you know, if you are in Louisville, go check out Louisville. Um, uh, you know, ch- go check out a show in Louisville after after we're done. You know, to tell them, like, they, uh, show up, like, after we're done. It'll be perfect. Or <laughs> turn uh, off and go to the, to the Conan show right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. When's he going on? Uh, well, it's at 8 p.m., but, you know, I'm in a different that time zone. That starts in a half hour ago. I mean, I'm sure. Well, he's with a bunch of bands, so I'm sure it's not just him. Yeah. Well, who knows who's going on first? Yeah, because Service and somebody else. Yeah. Like Service does have bisexual lighting in their show. I saw the <laughs> video. Um, you know, hooray for bisexual lighting. Uh, <laughs> this show is brought to you by bisexual lighting. <laughs> true. Um, and the bisexual lighting skeleton, friend to all. <laughs> um tim you missed it there's a uh wikipedia page where we have uh, where there's a um skeleton in bisexual lighting <laughs> just show yeah, off I'll, I'll pull it up i'll pull it up um, and it's just the most random thing it's, uh, no so we were trying to explain we were trying to explain one one day um well andy was trying to explain what bisexual lighting is like the you know because it's been in a lot of shows lately and like euphoria obviously has it like all over it like you know the um the, the purple, like, uh, pink and, um, yeah, like the purple and pink lighting, purple, pink, and blue a lot of times. So he was trying to explain it, and he pulled up this Wikipedia page, and uh, it was a 3D rendering of a skeleton in bisexual lighting. That's what they used as a... <laughs> so now every time we talk about that, co- like, that aesthetic concept, we go back to the skeleton. Doesn't even look like a good skeleton either. It's its hands look weird. Yeah. Well, that's the bisexual lighting. It's, it's really it's messing up the... Yeah, it has a weird groove now. <laughs> so yeah, um, but uh, so so Tim, where can our viewers find you? Um, I see you put your yeah, your, 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 that's everywhere, right? Yeah, Instagram and Twitter and yeah. Uh, I I saw you have a TikTok. You need right? less I you. Like if you just like Google me, other things. Oh, yeah, because there's another Tim LaFollette who who uh, did a song for Dan Savage and died. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, the other the other so, had ALS, I think. And yeah, so it's just like you know, just like Chicago. I saw your name by the uh, the back by the obituaries. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Andy. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to do uh final thoughts, starting with Tim. If you have any final thoughts about this movie, anything we didn't get to, anything you wanted to bring up. Um, well, I think we covered kind of the, the main, the main things. Um, I thought it was an excellent rendering as a movie musical. Oh, I guess that was the other thing. 
uh, little little tidbit was like it was the first uh, musical to win Best Pic Picture since Oliver in 1968. So that's a pretty good long gap. Yeah, yeah, they really it's really underappreciated like musicals as a genre I think in in the Oscars. As you know, I mean, as comedies are, as like really at that whole category of uh, there's a lot of crossover, I think. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's cool that it won when it did. I remember seeing it. Um, I think I was like eight or nine when I first saw this. I was definitely too young to see this, but I was like really into musicals. And uh, my dad rented it or he bought it or something. And I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And like, I, I don't think I've watched it since then, but um, I really I, I enjoy that this movie a lot. Uh, Christina? I love Chicago. I love this film. This is my second favorite movie musical behind Sweeney Todd. It really, this is how you do a uh, movie musical. Like, you take away what makes it a stage play. You make the proper changes. You make different style changes. You make, you know, uh, very, very wise casting choices. You can cast, you know, talented A-listers, if they have the right training, if they have, you know, a decent background, it, you can, you can pull it off. Okay. You can pull it off. Um, <laughs> I know that the, the musical itself, a lot of like lead actresses get casted a lot, like, you know, like famous women, like Pamela Anderson for whatever reason. Uh, but I think this really did deserve the best picture uh, Oscar for sure. And I will always rewatch it and rewatch it and rewatch it. Okay, Andy, final thoughts. Uh, one of my favorite things about this movie is the fact that, like, it, it um, takes what uh, uh, it takes these actors who who have experience doing stage, the, uh, you know, theater, and but the thing is, they they can work it for the camera, and that's that's usually like the one thing that tends to be missing from a lot of these things is is the fact that you have people who can who can bring it in front of the camera. Um, it really, uh, I, I, um, I don't usually enjoy, like, it's like most, most musicals that are made are just straight adaptations and they're just, it's just go see the stage play, you know? Um, you know, like I say, even if it's like local theater, like, like support those people because you know what, they, they love what they're doing and they're going to be more enthusiastic, you know, more enthused that you came, um, than like, you know, uh, the, the Broadway stuff. Yeah. You know, Broadway is great. Cause it's, you got the spectacle, you know, you got the, the the giant helicopter flying overhead uh, over the audience, or, or would you, you say know. that you got the uh, razzle dazzle? Yeah, yeah, I, that's actually a good way to describe it. Um, <laughs> although I've never actually seen a show on Broadway, so I've never seen the razzle dazzle. Oh. Um, but but like you know what though, I'm I'm a big advocate of seeing local theater. I, I loved seeing Jesus Christ Superstar in college with uh, the local radio DJ playing Jesus. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I always listened to him while I was painting. So so I'm just like, oh well, let's. Let's go see this. Um, sounds like fun, but but uh, anyways, no, no, this this, but uh, it also you know because the fact that these um, scenes, uh, all the musical numbers are you know seem to be in Roxy's head, it creates her as an unreliable narrator, which which I think really adds something to the film. And I'm not sure you could really pull it off the same way in the the stage play. Yeah, um, and she's an unreliable narrator who's being played. And I think that that's kind of fascinating that yeah. like he thinks that she's in control of everything. And in the end she realizes, Oh no, she wasn't in control of any of this. It was uh, you know, it was all Billy Flynn trying to win a case and like, it meant nothing kind of, you Poor know, like, <laughs> she did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then she ended up with it because she destroyed all of her relationships too, doing it. Yeah. No, she's uh, literally yeah, left one friend in the end. Val well, McKelly. It's a little, it's a little like a Pygmalion sort of a story. Like yeah. Like you know? Yeah. But but I think I think that really just ties everything nicely together because it, it has deeper themes than um uh you know than some you know a lot of movies I watch. Um <laughs> But uh, so 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 it's kind of nice that that it ties everything together, and it really, uh, like you know, you, this if you, if you're going to introduce somebody to musical theater on film, you can't go wrong with this movie. Yeah, yeah, I think that, I think that that's 100 percent right. I'll say, you know, um, we're going to be in the after party, the all that jazz after party is what I decided to call it. We're going to be in that in about 15 minutes. Um, you know, I just want to say it's okay to admit that you can't do it alone. You know, sometimes you just have to admit it and that's fine.